I was working with a client today, and I'm not sure exactly how this came up, but I used this story as part of our session, and it made me think that perhaps I would like to share it with you as well. Um, my father was in the military while I was growing up. He ultimately ended up retiring after 22 years in California. But through my childhood and early adolescence, I lived in various places like Massachusetts, Hawaii, California, Arizona, California again, and places like that. I grew up, um, I spent four years in Hawaii um, on Oahu, and I went to Pearl Harbor Kai Elementary School. And I know this is difficult to believe, but back in the day, um, as a child, I talked a lot. And you can go ahead and laugh because when I told my client that, she paused for like a couple of seconds and then she broke out in laughter as well too. I understand. Some things just never change, right? So that day I was sitting in class and of course I was doing my chatting with everybody around me. And the next thing I knew, the teacher had taken masking tape from her desk drawer and came over to me and started wrapping the masking tape around my head, around my mouth, all the way around until it covered from my under my nose down. And she made me sit like that for the entire day. I sat at the desk humiliated um, with my head down. Um, and you know what, to this day, I still remember that. It didn't traumatize me necessarily to cause me any negative coping strategies or phobias about masking tape or things like that. And I reflect back on it. If a teacher would do that to a student today, they certainly would be reported to Child Protective Services and or fired and or whatever. But back in the day, those... Hawaiian teachers, they meant business, and they took care of their business. Um, so that was a memory that I had. And then it shifted to another memory. And that one was from more recently, probably about a year ago. Uh, I was having lunch, and I've lived in Palm Springs now for probably seven going on eight years. And I want to tell you that living in Palm Springs is like living in a place like no other. I've never been, and I, I don't know that I say this with all due respect, but I say it in all honesty, I've really never lived in more of a toxic environment in my life where it's so close-knit and so many people here are self-absorbed. Of course they are because they're the majority of them are in some semblance of the entertainment business, be it singing, dancing, acting, drag, performing, you name it. We have a multitude of those kinds of people. And of course, I've learned that people in this kind of business, for the most part, I guess are doing it because of self-esteem issues, and they use this as a healthy coping strategy to be somebody else, to entertain other people. And I can tell you that doing something like that really is empowering. It really is empowering. I remember 
here I go on a tangent. I remember that um, when I would go to shows, for the longest time, I would sit in the audience and I would watch the performers on stage dancing and singing and doing all this talent that I knew that I didn't have. And it made me feel bad about myself, or I felt bad about myself. I felt less than. I felt like, wow, I can't do that, so therefore I'm not as good as somebody else. Because in my mind, that was the ultimate proof of of your validity in the world. It wasn't until later that I discovered that once I went back to school and realized that I found my passion. I found my passion actually before I went back to school because I start, when I started working at University of California Office of the President, I really worked my way up through the ranks and became the expert in my field of intellectual property and nonprofits and for-profits and contracting grant negotiation. And I really did have the passion for it. And I really did know my business. And so I started to believe, okay, you don't have to be a singer and a dancer and bring entertainment and joy to people's lives to be at the top of the validity scale. That's self-esteem talking or a lack of self-esteem talking. One needs to find what their passion is and strive to be the best that they can possibly be with regard to their passion. So anyway, I digressed, and now I go back to the story of... So I was having lunch with a friend of mine who actually is an ex-friend of mine, and based on this very same reason that she... um, the story she told me, uh, we were eating lunch, and I don't know exactly what sparked this particular conversation, but she looked at me and she said, I can tell you why there are people in Palm Springs who don't like you. And I leaned across the table and put my elbow on the table and my hand under my chin and said, oh, please, do tell. And she said, the reason why there are people who don't like you in Palm Springs is because of your profession, which I had to think about for a second. And she said, When they meet you and they know what you do for a living, a.k.a. a psychotherapist, they automatically get defensive and they think that I'm psychoanalyzing them. They think I'm shrinking them. When in actuality, that couldn't be further from the truth. I don't go seeking people to shrink. I have enough clients and I can tell you right now that when one thinks and when one talks for a living through the day, one doesn't want to necessarily go out and find more people to shrink, to help them figure out their lives. Now, that's not to say that if somebody came to me with a problem or a friend had an issue that they wanted to discuss with me, I would share with them. But there's a distinction between shrinking and telling the truth. And I also discovered that a good lot of people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want honesty. They don't want to look in the mirror. Because then again, if they look in the mirror, then now they have to start owning their shit. And a lot of people don't want to own their shit. They want to 
project it onto somebody else, blame somebody else. It's not me. It has to be you. So, you know, one of my, as they say in the drug and alcohol parlance, character defects, if you want to call it that, and I actually like the term character defects, but I say it and think about it in a very respectful way. We all have character defects. And it's part of our charm. It's part of who we are, part of our experiences, and part of who we were created to be. We just work with them. We work with the charm with which we were blessed. And honesty is one of mine. And I've learned that over time. I've learned that I don't want somebody to tell me something just to placate me. I don't want somebody to say something that they really don't mean so as not to hurt my feelings. Honesty doesn't have to be that way. We can always be honest with people and not hurt their feelings. It's all in the delivery. And again, I have to say that I've heard from several of my clients that one of the things that they respect about me is my honesty and my ability to be honest with them and yet do it in a way whereby they feel cared for, listened to, um, safe and secure in my honesty because they feel that's how they're going to grow. When I ask somebody, I want them to be honest with me too because that's how I'm going to grow. I don't do it with any kind of malice of intent at all. And I say again, that's just part of my charm. I've told a lot of different people that I don't really believe in a specific religion because I feel organized religion is more like a cult. You have to sort of be told how to be, told how to live, told how to um, react and various other ways based on the culture of the religion. And I've tried that. I was raised Catholic. Um, I went in search of a religion that didn't hate me because, because I'm gay. And I certainly felt that in, in the Catholic religion. I went to the Jewish religion. And in Judaism, I found that I wasn't disliked, for lack of a better way to put it, as much as in the Catholic religion. But then what I discovered is, is that but there are rules to be followed. And there are certain things that I need to do or to say or whatever to follow along with a particular organized religion. Therefore, I finally got to the point where it wasn't about trying to find a religion that suited my purpose, so to speak. It was about me finding my way and living in a world based on who I am. And who I am and my motto as I've discovered over these years, is to thine own self be true. And that's why I latched on to karma. Number one, I never believed in the Jesus is the son of God thing. I never understood everything. I certainly don't believe in the Bible, except for that it, it is a great literature written by men based on men's um, beliefs and experiences and 
and perceptions of the world. Um, I believe that we are energy. I believe that we are all energy. And when we die, we no longer need this vessel that houses our energy. Our energy is just then released back to the universe, which is all energy. Everything around us is energy. And so when our energy is released, it needs to find a new host, and it goes into another vessel in need of energy. Sort of kind of like reincarnation. I mean, I can get behind that concept, and God only knows how many times my energy has gone in and out of vessels, and I don't know where my energy is going to go after it's released from this particular one, but that's exciting to me to believe in that way. And to wrap this all up, believing in karma allows me to be in charge of my own life. And I tell you this, I wake up every morning. Well, actually, I don't wake up every morning. I sleep until two in the afternoon. So I wake up every afternoon and I know that I've got the power to be the type of person I want to be for myself and for those with whom I come into contact. And I can tell you there's not one time I wake up and I say to myself, let me just be a horrible person. Let me go out and try to tear somebody down. Let me try to go out and do something that's detrimental to another person. I, I just can't conceive of myself as doing that. So I just do decide when I get up every day. I'm going to be the best possible person I can possibly be. And I am. Now, if my being the best possible person I can be is perceived by another individual based on their experiences, their perspective, their insecurities, for lack of a better way to put it. I have no control over that. I only have control over what I do, what I say, how I am. And that's been a really tough thing for me to learn because we all do care about what other people think about us. That's human nature. But we can't care too much about what other people think about us to the point of it crippling us. If we know that we are walking this planet along with everybody else with the best of intentions for ourselves and everybody else, then I think that's the best possible thing that we can hope for ourselves.